Dish plus each one here. Open our hearts to hear what you have for us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in a couple of weeks, we have a holiday coming up. It's Easter. We usually think about Christ's death and resurrection at that time of the year. So I'd like to take us on a little journey through in the Old Testament happenings around this subject. So I'll start out in Genesis 3 this morning. I think we know the story here of Adam and Eve's sin. I'm not going to take the time to read that at all. God told them not to eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. And how they did. In verse 21, it says, Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. It doesn't say explicitly where these skins came from, but I think it's safe to assume that God killed an animal, and blood was shed for these clothes. This is the first (coughs) reference to blood being shed. I'd like to go to Exodus now, chapter 12. is when God, through Moses, was delivering his people from Egypt. And God was going to kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians. I'd like to read verses 3 through 13 of Exodus 12. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, They shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord." 
think we'll stop there. Here we see the children of Israel were instructed to kill a lamb and take the blood and strike it on the two doorposts and above the door. And that night, I think we remember the story how God killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians and their animals. But upon those that had the blood on the doorposts, God did not kill the firstborn. If I'm going to title this, these thoughts this morning, it's about the power of the blood. Here we see God giving life to his people through the blood. Let's turn to Numbers Down the wrong reference here. But anyway, Aaron and Levites were instructed to make sacrifices for the children of Israel. Every morning they were to kill a lamb for the people of Israel, and every evening they would kill a lamb. And also, in addition to that, if the people had committed sin, they would bring an offering to the priests, and they would make a sacrifice for them. Hebrews 9.22 says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. God's remedy for the people's sin was the shedding of blood. Not only that, it's the shedding of innocent blood. This is a lamb of the first year without blemish that they would sacrifice. All right, let's turn to Numbers, I mean Hebrews, chapter 9.
start at verse 1. Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle is yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertained to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. Here it's again recounted. The priest's duties to offer sacrifices for the people daily. And also, once a year, the high priest would offer a sacrifice for himself and enter into the Holy of Holies and there make a sacrifice for the people. It's here that the high priest and him alone would go into God's presence. read chapter 10 verses 1 to 4 for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect for then would they not have for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins but in these sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. These sacrifices covered the sins of the people, which was God's plan, but they did not take them away. They did not completely cleanse the people's conscience of their sins, it says in verse 3, that in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Let's go back to chapter 9. Pick up again at verse 11. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? Through Christ's blood, through the power of his blood, our sins can be removed. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Our sins are taken away and remembered no more. Verse 14 says that Christ offered himself without spot to God. It's a perfect sacrifice. It purges our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Through the power of his blood, our heart can be changed to service of the living God. Galatians 5. As a list of the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. I don't think I'll read all that for the sake of time. I'll start Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Through the power of the blood, these fruits can be evident in our lives. Through the power of the blood, we can crucify the works of the flesh and live in the Spirit. Back in Hebrews 9, I mentioned that the high priests made a sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. This was one time a year. And it wasn't. The average person doing this, it was only the high priest. But through the work of Christ and the power of his blood, we can be cleansed and come into God's presence. And God can dwell in our hearts, his temple. Jump over to chapter 10 now, starting in verse 16. 
This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds while I write them. It's in Hebrews 10. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Through the power of the blood, verse 17 says, our sins and iniquities are remembered no more. We have boldness, verse 19, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By the power of the blood of Christ, our hearts are pure and clean. Verse 27 also says, or 26, that willful sin, however, is not covered by the blood. It brings a fear, fear and judgment. We'll look at Ephesians chapter 2 now. Break in at verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. The picture in verse 12 of people being aliens from the God, that's a picture of each one of us. It's a picture of me and a picture of you. But Christ Jesus. made a sacrifice of His blood for us. In verse 14, He broke, hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. On His crucifixion, the veil in the temple was rent in two. And the temple was opened for everyone to go into God's presence. Through the power of the blood, we can come to God, and we are reconciled to God. Through the power of the blood, we can have peace. Verse 17, He came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were nigh. It's a wonderful blessing to have the peace of God. I think we can all remember a time in our lives when we didn't have that peace. Hallelujah. Amen. In verse 19, through the power of the blood of Christ, we are no more strangers and foreigners, but we are sons of God. I believe that's God's greatest desire for us. Through Jesus' blood, we can draw nigh to God, have a relationship with Him, and be in communion with Him. God bless.